Hello, I'm Mallory Rubin. And I'm Van Lathan. Check out the Ringerverse podcast from The Ringer for all things superhero movies, nerd culture, and fandom entertainment. We have instant reviews and fun takes on all the latest news and more available now on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by Lululemon. Guys, if you're ready for a new pair of pants, try one of Lululemon's ABC pants. They're made to make you look and feel good. And there's lots of different styles to choose from. My favorite, because I walk around LA every day, I like the joggers. I'm not jogging, I'm just walking fast. But if you're working out, I would try them out. And if you want something a little sleek, maybe business-like, maybe try the ABC Slim Fit Trouser, but I am a joggers guy. I just, once COVID happened, I was just like, I'm, I wanna wear jogging pants and joggers and all kinds of soft pants as much as I possibly can, especially when I'm working out. Ultra comfortable and versatile. ABC Pants are really in a league of their own. Buy a pair right now at lululemon.com. Hello and welcome back to the Stadio Podcast and Ring RC. I'm Misa Kwonga. I'm Ryan Hun. Ryan, how are you doing? Uh, I'm all right, thanks. Oh, wow, I had to think about that. Oh my goodness. Wow. <laughs> tell us more, tell us more. Uh, nah, just stuff in it. That's just, true, that's true. It's just every day, man. It's ridiculous. Anyway, how are you? I am quite chipper. All things considered, um, some slight setbacks this morning. Went to get a cup of my favorite coffee and I saw that my supplies are severely depleted. Um, oh. And I also have no snacks. This is a thing that's happened before um, and it's not good. <laughs> I mean, it's not as bad as it was in the depths of the pandemic when we were locked down and there were no snacks at all. That was really bad, but this is, this is okay. I can remedy this. So that's the only major you, problem. Send morning. you like a care, care package with, by parachute. Listen, all baked goods are welcome. Thing is, though, like I was going to say, Berlin pigeons, if you could send it by pigeon, but they'd probably, it'd never arrive. It wouldn't, it wouldn't. <laughs> if you sent something by pigeon in Berlin, they'd leave a note saying they had to go to the Zollamps to pick it up. Yeah, yeah. Either, either they would not deliver it, or you'd have to, like, sign 17 forms once they did turn up and pay, like, all kinds of taxes on it. Pigeon sol. There we go. Anyways, <laughs> this is a football podcast. We promise. Yeah, a little bit of local local chat. Exactly. Bit of bureaucracy. Where should we be? Uh, admin? Should we do admin? Let's do admin. Um, yeah, admin. Yep, yep. Well, I hope everyone's staying safe and well. Getting vaccinated if you can, obviously. Getting that boost if you can. Uh, right, his house went up on Wednesday with you and Ian and Leah Williamson. It was wonderful. It was a lovely chat. Such a joy. Such a joy. She's a don, man. She's great. Oh, she's great, isn't she? Um, just loads of insight into like developing your own game, playing under coaching, change all of this kind of stuff and some good good film chat at the end as well i like it when there's film chat i just love it when footballers go for i love it when footballers give you the kind of not that it's, it's weird because obviously she's in the middle of like a title race right mm. so it's pretty remarkable to talk to a footballer in a situation like that anywhere in the world let alone one as high profile doing what she's doing and just get inside track in terms of actually what it's like it reminded me of that um amazing formula one video where someone's explaining what an actual wheel does in Formula One. Oh yeah, oh it was the the, the Valtteri Bottas <laughs> one, right? 
right and you're looking at the actual calculations you're like oh my goodness <laughs> what you see you, you, you shifted the brake balance around monaco when you were about three centimeters away from sticking it in the wall wow right i was sitting i was sitting at my desk <laughs> watching that and i felt like i was about to crash <laughs> yeah. in my office chair <laughs> Dude, I can barely, when I'm playing, because I always play the F1 games around the PlayStation. Right. If my phone flashes up and it's like WhatsApp or something, I can barely catch a glance at it without just sticking it in the wall. Honestly. (laughs) (laughs) The amount of championships that's cost me. Probably you WhatsApping me, actually. It's Moose's fault. I'm going to blame Moose. Because I know you're racing. I know you're racing. I was like, ah, yeah, text Ryan. Red Bull team saying, text text Ryan now. He's on lap 47. Text him. Uh, other admin um, we mentioned my piece up at ringer.com you did it, it, yeah it's up soccer, you mentioned. it's really so, good oh thank you oh thank you do you want to tell everyone what's it, what it's about it's about Aiden Hazard and it's about the way that there are some footballers whose prominence prowess is based on their explosiveness not that Hazard isn't technically brilliant but the key element in his game I think is the explosive acceleration after he's beaten a player mm. and it was really talking about how these players are incredible but because they they're always going into like huge challenges against defenders and they, they run relentlessly. They kind of end up with the schedule of football running themselves into the ground and really about how tragic that is for, to see them lose this superpower of theirs in front of a watching global audience. So it happened to Aiden Hazard, happened to Kaka, happened to Shevchenko. And normally the decline, the physical decline is, is really sudden. Like it's mm. not like a kind of over three or four seasons. It's normally like, you know, when an ice shelf melts, it's been quietly shattering for ages and mm. then you just see it fall away in a couple of weeks like that. So it's really about the tragedy of watching these great players decline physically, um, almost instantaneously. So yeah. It's a great piece, man. Oh, thank you. Uh, also check the ringer.com in general. There's been loads of great NBA stuff this week because of the trade deadline. Dude, Pace has fucking got Tyrese Halliburton. I can't believe it. <laughs> I can't <laughs> believe <laughs> it. I mean, I'm really sad that DeMontis Sabonis is gone because he's like, like at his peak, this is an NBA podcast. There's far there are, there are actual NBA experts on the ring that you can listen to this, but I couldn't believe it. This is true. <laughs> but yeah. Um, oh, the newsletter is going to go out this week. Stadio.football scroll yes. to the bottom, pop your email address in. If you haven't signed up, you get a newsletter from us. Uh, it's not as frequent as it was, but it's going out probably like monthly. So it's like a big monthly newsletter. Uh, sign up for that. That's going out this weekend. Uh, it should be hopefully available for you to read with your tea or coffee or breakfast on Saturday morning. Exactly. It's going to be available in all good inboxes, including your own. <laughs> and some, probably some naughty, <laughs> dreadful ones as well. We know, we know what our <laughs> listenership's like. Listen, we're not going to name names. We know those, those people. <laughs> menaces. People, all of you. You're all fucking menaces. <laughs> <laughs> certain people had shots fired at the last podcast. They know who they are. Yeah, and do you know some, what? Some of them the biggest, the biggest tell <laughs> that so many people thought that was about them was the fact that we had no one pushing back on it. Not right, exactly, exactly. The only person who did was person. Emily Oram and she said, I wasn't blushing. <laughs> <laughs> Shameless. Actually, having said that, Emily has a fantastic newsletter of her yeah, own. Yeah, she does. Uh, well worth checking out. Emily Oram, definitely check it out. All right, and Stay About Us Place on Spotify, all the music we play out on each episode, newest ones at the top. Right, so today we're going to talk some Premier League because Premier League was back and it was, uh, it was pretty fun. It was extra. It was so extra. Um, and we're going to do a little bit of a quick roundup, just some results and some lovely goals. And then we'll do a bit of mailbag. So let's get into it after yes. this. 
This episode is brought to you by ZipRecruiter. Daylight saving time is once again upon us, which for me is a good thing. Longer days mean more hours of daylight for outdoor sports. But if you're hiring, it's a whole different ballgame. Because even though it may feel as if your day is longer, it won't help you find qualified candidates any sooner. There's only one way to do that. ZipRecruiter. And right now, you can try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash stadio. Once you post your job, ZipRecruiter's smart technology works round the clock to show you people with the skills and experience to match your job. Then you can review your list of qualified candidates and invite your top choices to apply. So spring forward with a new hiring partner, ZipRecruiter, and find top talent sooner. See why four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Just go to this exclusive web address to try ZipRecruiter for free. ZipRecruiter.com slash stadio. Once again, that's ZipRecruiter.com slash stadio. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. All right, man, can we begin at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium? Because we can. One of the games of the week. Sirens again. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Do you know why? It's because I called the gazpacho police on you. <laughs> <laughs> Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Spurs 2, Southampton 3. Uh, it was a belt of a game. And yep. Ralph Hasenhull said that it was, he thought it was arguably Southampton's best performance since he's been there. Do you know, and this is the thing we mentioned, we did a bit on Southampton before. Shout out to Southampton Rob, Rob Kinley. Uh, and Neef. Great friend of yours. And Neef, yes, yes. And Alex Neef Stewart of TIFO fame. Our yes, three absolutely. famous Southampton fans. I've got to say, like Southampton, we've talked before about just how much he's getting out of that squad. And this is fascinating because obviously Spurs have tooled up, right? They've mm-hmm. made some big recruitments and Conte is on a particular arc. And what's fascinating about this is it's not often you can say that you've seen Conte outcoached, like outcoached. And I know, I know that Spurs are in transition, so there's a caveat. And the Spurs, you know, Southampton are, it's a more settled enterprise than, than what Conte is trying to build. Having said all that, this is really impressive. And Hasenhutl is someone, you know, he's been at Southampton a good while now. There was talk about retirement. He's only in his mid-50s. Um, but you look at this and think, could he be on the brink of something even more exciting? Now the ownership has settled with Southampton. You look at this and go, ah, this is an, ex-. you know, we talked about destinations that are exciting. Mm. You know, players in WhatsApp groups going, where should we move? Where should we check out? Brighton's obviously a club in relation to that. Southampton is another one. Southampton is a club where you look at that as someone outside the Premier League and just go, my goodness. Like, Let's say you're an AFCON player, you're a player at the AFCON that had like a standout tournament, right? Um, you're from a lesser fancied country that beat a huge country and your agents are looking around. You make a beeline to Southampton and shove the stats of your player under this, under this uh, academy's nose they haven't seen it already. Like, because what Hasenhüttl has built as a unit, like the relentlessness, this was, the funny thing with this game was, because I was watching, I, full confession, I was, absolutely entranced by the chaos of Aston Villa Leeds. So I was checking across. Which we'll talk about. And, but, the, but the balance of the game is such that, you know, even when Spurs had the lead, they weren't really in control. No. You know? Well, there was that period in the first half where Southampton were just kind of smothering Spurs. Spurs couldn't really get out. They hit the bar um, not long after they scored and they kept... The, you remember we mentioned that thing a few weeks ago where it doesn't really... It's not really a metric that you compare, like that you judge a game on, but... Mm. Um, when you see a team kind of go through a bit of a stint of having loads of corners and then you just build this accumulative pressure. Yes, right? yes, That's yes. That's kind of what Southampton were doing, but they were up on the XG, they were way up on possession, they were up on chances created, they were up on shots and they were just pinning Spurs in and 
I thought it was. I thought to myself, it's quite ironic in a season where Ralph Rangnick has become Manchester United interim manager that the best four-two-two-two performance has come not by Manchester United and at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium by an away side. Do you know what I mean? Because this was a perfect example, actually, from what everyone who's been trying to figure out Ralph Rangnick's four-two-two-two thing, which I know he hasn't delved into as 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 much, mm. um, and he has tinkered with it a lot. But this is kind of how it works. And this is, these are the kind of players that you need to really, really implement it, I think. If you look at the Southampton dynamic and um, the kind of profile of player they have, this is how it works. This was a really right. good example, I think, and especially of a side that has fewer resources, which Southampton right. do, and no disrespect to that squad at all, but you would say, I don't think it's a wild take to say that the Spurs squad is stronger and definitely that starting eleven is stronger on paper. Yes. Yes. But how a collective just kind of like clicks in a tactical sense. And I, the thing is, it wasn't, um, I know Spurs had the goal disallowed in, in, in injury time, Bergwijn's equaliser, which was offside yeah. and rightly so. Southampton weren't lucky here. Conte didn't complain about any, any decisions or any luck or anything like that. He was repeating these lines that he said, and he actually said that he, ha- he was repeating the lines. You know, he's like, this is going to take a while. This is going to be a long process. It's not going to be great straight away. All of that kind of stuff. Right. He didn't bemoan anything that happened in the game specifically from a decision point of view or from a luck point of view or anything. I think he knew that they were well deservedly beaten. And actually, for Southampton, right. I yeah. think they've only lost one in their nine, uh, one in their last nine in all comps. That's phenomenal. Since they lost to Arsenal that time at, at the Emirates, they've only lost one game since. Outstanding. If you think where they were at when we were talking about them that time, we had two conversations about them. Do you remember? Yes. Pre takeover and then when the takeover happened. It's very, it's like, it looks so different. Dude, they're in 10th with a goal difference of minus seven. That's <laughs> excellent. That's just yeah. excellent, really. Let's be real. That's just great. Um, very impressive. There is some great coaching going on in that kind of Premier League midsection. Yeah, there really is. Yeah. Wolves, Brighton, Southampton, like eight, nine, and 10. There mm-hmm. is some, those are three of the best coaches in the division. What we said yeah. this before, coaches, coaches league. Coaches league. Yeah, man. For Hasenhutl, obviously there was, like you mentioned, that stuff in the week about him potentially retiring. I want him to stay at Southampton for a while, but I got his point about how kind of exhausting the Premier League can be. Mm. But there is a part of me that if that Southampton journey comes to an end with him, and hopefully he can leave on good terms, eventually, I'm not talking now, like I'm talking, you know, in a couple of years or whatever. I really would love to see him at a side with greater resources. I mean, to be honest, I know this is a wild shout, so I'm really sorry for throwing that out there. But if you think of the kind of coach he is, and you think of what Julian Nagelsmann's doing at Bayern, he would actually make a lot of sense replacing Nagelsmann at Bayern when Nagelsmann decides to leave eventually. That's not a, that's not a, that's not a massively overly no, it's not. It's not it's my transition. Are, do you know what I mean? My eyes are wide because I'm just like wow, and then also my my Who's next is my awake. next Who's my next is awake. <laughs> I was, I was awake now. I'm really awake. Where does Nagelsmann go next? That's also fascinating. Oh, actually, this is funny because I was talking to uh, Jonathan Harding the other day about this. And Jonathan said, um, you can just imagine, like, say, for example, if Nagelsmann, I don't know, if Nagelsmann wins a Champions League, he said, with, with Bayern, in a couple of years' time, you know, he's probably only going to do a two, year, two or three year stint at Bayern. You could probably see him going to Man United, actually, someone like Nagelsmann, eventually, depending on what Manchester United do next. If Rangnick's there for a couple of years, and starts to build the kind of structure, you know, Rang- Nagelsmann working under Rangnick at Manchester United. When John- as soon as Jonathan said it, I was just like, that makes loads of sense to me, actually. You can totally see that. Um, mm. I know we're, we're know, playing pure I, speculation game right now. No, 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 no. But, no. Well, that's, Ryan, that's what we, that's, they know, 
the newest ones. That's what they came here for. But I, I wonder, Nagelsmann is a funny one because I look at him and think, I, I do still think he is a little bit underrated outside Germany. And that's no disrespect to people that, no, I just think the nature of the Bundesliga, and when he become, by the time he became Bayern coach, I think a lot of people still weren't paying full attention. Also because Leipzig were a bit inconsistent in the Champions League. Mm. They're quite streaky in that sort of his final year. I think people were kind of, once people started paying attention to him, they're like, oh, what's the fuss about? But this is, this is an extraordinary coach. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. He, and he also, he wants, like, like Jonathan was saying, like, and he's made, and, and Nagelsmann said himself, like, he wants to be done. He doesn't want to be doing this forever. He wants to be done at like 50. Um, what's he going to do once he's retired? Ski, probably. He's always skiing. He was skiing the night before a game the other week. I was like, Nagelsmann. Probably just invest in like, renewable bed. energy. Gonna find Invest you. in like renewable energy or something. Yeah. You find him like sitting in like departure lounges in Zurich going to check on his properties. And anyway, you know, spot the two guys doing a podcast from Germany who were talking about Southampton and now we're talking about Julian Nagelsmann. So. Sorry. I don't know what fuck it. Julian Nagelsmann, Southampton coach after Ralph. There you go. Have, have that. Have that. Do you know what? That would be really fun though. I'd love that. Anyway. Imagine yeah, if Nagelsmann, he actually just wanted to go wherever Hasenhüttl went. Yes. Well, like Klopp style, Klopp and Tuchel, like just going from like yeah, no yeah, mice yeah. to whatever. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, I, yeah, I mean, I don't think I don't think Spurs could can have any complaints about the result. I think they could maybe have complaints about the performance. I think when they did, they did play well in some patches, but I think they were too fleeting those moments. Yes, absolutely. Uh, let's go to a chaotic masterpiece. Yeah, Aston Villa leads at Villa three all. What a game this was! So good. Shout out to two players in particular, Coutinho and Dan James. Oh, we don't want to shout out Jacob Ramsey. Do you know it's funny, Jacob Ramsey? The only reason I didn't is because I, I saw, I think I've become used to his brilliance. John McGinn did a great interview with Joe Cole and Joe Cole was saying, it's funny because I watched Jacob Ramsey and it feels like every single week he's mad in the match. Mm. So I think I tuned him out because I'm like, oh yeah, he's always good. But he's, well, he's always save that. brilliant. We'll talk about him yeah. in a little bit because we had a question. Yeah. I suppose the headlines really here are outstanding performance from Philippe Coutinho and Jacob Ramsey. So... Coutinho with a goal and I think two assists. Jacob Ramsey with two great finishes and just, it's so easy for him. It's so easy for both of them, actually. The way, and Coutinho's just so happy at Villa. Such a great signing. But then I'm, I'm so glad Leeds got something from this because they went 3-1 up Villa and I don't know if it was, I think complacency is strong. I don't think it was. I think because what Leeds do is they're always coming at you. Mm. And if you lose a moment of intensity, they're right back in the breach. And this is a coach, I think, being, this is a team being coached to the very edge of its capabilities. And I say that, you look at someone like Dan James, for example, two outstanding, almost like Darius Vassell type finishes, like peak Darius Vassell, finding space in the box, isolated oh, That's a pockets. lovely mensch for Darius. Do you know what I mean? Either at the, you know, Dur like look at Dan James scores a header, right? In traffic. That is a Darius and got, Vassell. And, he, and it was a brave, that was brave as well because that collision was yeah. the one that ended up sending Buendia off. Like he had, right, he had right. to he go. Went up like, in and, and, and James went down kind of holding his leg as well when that happened. There was a, like, there was some bodies in there, man. It was like- There were some real bodies. Yeah. And he went in for it. Should have got the AM1. <laughs> yeah, he should have. He should have. Imagine, imagine if he got a penalty for also scoring. Um, and then, yeah, the finish, he got the swivel, the swivel and shot. So James was really impressive and just is being coached superbly by Bielsa. And I'm just glad that Leeds got that point because they have had, you know, they've had a difficult second act, haven't they, uh, this year? I mean, they've had so um, many injuries though, like to key they players have, well, as well. We talked absolutely. about this, didn't we? We did, we did, but they were good value for the point, actually. You look at this result and you think, well, I, I, said, to you, I, said, I said this the other day to you, I said, when, when Barca beat Atleti, 
they expended so much effort. I couldn't believe it was only three points for the win. Mm. And I feel the same with this Villa Leeds. They must look at this and be like, my God, all that effort for just one point each. But they were both thoroughly good value for the draw, I thought. Let's talk about this Coutinho assist. Yes. Second one, you'd assume. It's, 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 it's a nice assist, but it's not. You it know, was nice. Yeah, it wasn't, wasn't, wasn't a game breaker. The first one was great. It was lovely. And he's enjoying it so much. Yeah, he's enjoying well, yeah, it. Yeah, man. I mean, when you just put players in the right place, mm. take a bit of the heat off them, take a bit of the weight off their shoulders. It was like Coutinho was never really loved at Barcelona and he was never really loved at Bayern. He won the Champions League with Bayern and then went back to Barcelona. He was never beloved. He was just like an expensive the, problem because Barca had yeah. many expensive problems. Whereas you go, you know, you go to someone like Villa, that's the interesting thing about these clubs in the moment. Like if Everton can stay out of trouble this season, which I'm starting to doubt. Yeah. Lampard being at Everton, one of the pros is the kind of potential pulling power of, of being Frank Lampard. So yeah. much like Steven Gerrard at Villa. You know, Steven Gerrard's not a Villa. Like Dean Smith doesn't convince Philippe Coutinho to come to Villa on loan. But it's just nice to see him enjoying football. Like Dan James just landing at Leeds. We had two questions from the mailbag. We might as well do them now. Yeah, yeah. Let's get into it. So maybe we'll reduce the mailbag in the second part. Let's have this one first from Samo, who said, is Dan James what Manchester United needed to hold on to? This Welsh Red thinks so. It's quite interesting, actually, because I think if, I, if, if Rangnick's there, I don't think they let James go, actually. I don't think they do, but I also am glad he left because he yeah. wouldn't get enough football. Look at Jesse Lingard. He just wouldn't get enough football. Mm. He'd be like that. He'd be in the squad. He'd be a really good piece. But this stage of his career, he deserves more. So I think if he was brought in and used properly from the beginning, he'd still be there. And he'd be, and he'd be scoring regularly. I think, that, I think that's fair. Because he is having a really good season, I think. But maybe that season doesn't come if he's still at Manchester United, even if he's playing semi-regularly, you know? Well, the coaching as well, that Bielsa, like, that's the, the quality of coaching he's been talking about is amazing. He did an interview and he was just talking about like, the instructions he's getting, everything's so precise. And Bielsa like, had a long chat about him, just going, look, this guy is doing everything we need. Um, it's just really exciting for him. Yeah. So. I like Steven Gerrard where he just said great opportunity to go up against Bielsa. He was really excited about playing Bielsa. I, I just really like Gerrard as a coach, I've got to say. I mean, everything I'm seeing, I'm just really enjoying the way he's bringing players through, uh, the confidence he's giving them, but also the tactical nous. The tactical nous is great. Yeah, he's a, he's a serious manager. Yeah, yeah. And you can tell because you know he what? Is. He dresses serious. <laughs> can I say, the Gerrard managerial jacket is on a different... But it's a, it's a classic the, of the genre. Of, it's the Pep Guardiola blueprint, the suit with the overcoat. Yeah, yeah. It's great. Do you know what I like about it? There's no trading off, I was a great player. There's not that. There's no. none of that, is there? But you look at that, you're like, this, no, I'm, I'm a manager. There's no hint that he's trying to almost sort of rely on those glories. Is, like he hasn't even grown a managerial beard. Like so many players do this <laughs> post-retirement where they go into coaching this and they let the stubble come out. And, but like Stevie G's not doing that. I actually wish he would. I think, he, I think he'd look amazing with a bit. Like I want Steven Gerrard to come back from this season's preseason fully bearded up. The only problem with that is it looks like a detective isn't working like sort of four nights straight on the same case that he can't crack. There's so, almost an element of that, isn't there? So? <laughs> do you know what? You've convinced me to change my mind. I want Steven Gerrard to come out with a moustache. <laughs> no, no, no. I do. Lord, Lord no. There aren't enough ma uh, managers with moustaches anymore. That needs to change. Channel your inner Del Bosque. <laughs> the moustache is so big. In his case, you can't have the mouse actually moving. That's the best of them all. But yeah, so Villa withstood a 
late red card from concert, didn't they, to get the three all? That was so silly, uh, that red card. It was, it was, it was. I mean, it was thoroughly deserved just because it was very silly. The, the, both instances were just like, what are you doing? Like, you just. It's one of those reds. One, it's just like, you're on a yellow, mate. Like, what are you. It's one of those reds when they're walking almost already. Like, they just know. That's so right, you know. You might as well send them off now. Just save everyone the bother. Because you know it's coming. Exactly. There should be a certain type of yellow card that the referee can go over to the bench and say, listen, I think he's probably going to get another one. So you amber, can an, amber, you can, an amber card. You can, you can, you can, no, because amber's saved for like, ooh, it's not quite a red, but it's a strong yellow. See, that, I, th- I think that's a strong yellow. I think that's someone who's going to go. Maybe. I, I think it should be a polka dot card. <laughs> or like, you know, like a Riddler card. It's a Riddler card, basically. It's like, it's, yeah. yeah, it's just big old question marks all over it. And you should, you should send it. And the, and the reason for the question mark is because you, you can either sub this player now, which means you get to keep 11 men on the field. Yeah. Or you run the risk of him doing something very stupid and then... Do you know, I love about that because it's like, the, the, the Riddler card is basically like, we all know what this is. We all know this is you, probably going to happen like, again. You We're going to look at, in it. Yeah. You look around, <laughs> you, give the referee a mic. 36,000 people or however many at, at Villa Park. <laughs> and you look around, it's like, how many of you all think this guy's going to get another? Hold the mic out. And everyone's just like, yeah, <laughs> yes. probably. I think he will actually. Yeah, it'll be really silly. Yeah. And they'd be like, are we going to be here again? <laughs> Turn it into a game show. What are you going to a do? And then like, you get 10 seconds of like dramatic, like the countdown music plays or something like that. And you get to think, <laughs> hmm, are you going to sub him off or are you going to, are you going to risk it? Are you going to risk it? You're going to risk it. Uh, do you know what, Mike Dean? I think I'm going to risk it. And Mike Dean just looks at the camera and pulls a kind of like, <laughs> he's a brave boy. He's a brave boy. Um, there you go. Another rule Amazing. change for you. Uh, let's have this question from Deluded Villain, who uh, it sounds like a Doom alias. <laughs> what are your opinions on Jacob Ramsey? As a Villa fan, he's genuinely the most exciting academy product I've seen come through, which is saying something given a certain £100 million man. They can't even name him. Just say Jack Grealish. No, because he might, he might appear. <laughs> Can you imagine? You say Grealish, 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 and Jack just pops his head around and be like, did you call me? <laughs> <laughs> Do you know, <laughs> Jacob Ramsey is amazing because I was excited about uh, Carnage of Kameka, I'm not going to lie. Um, yeah. But seeing Ramsey coming through, like, it's just, he's so smooth. Like, he really that's the thing, is, the style man. of the style, like, beyond, don't get me wrong, you talk about players in the eye test, right? That's the eye test. Just, you yeah. look at this player and think, we've talked before, I think, about players whose peak is nowhere in sight. I've used that in relation to, I think, Saka, certainly Sancho, certainly Bellingham. Ramsey is in that category as well. Yep. Just for, that England phone, midfield in like phone. five years' time is going to be otherworldly. It's going to be otherworldly. I'll tell you what, if, anyway, it's a problem. Yeah, if, uh, it's a serious problem. It's if Southgate ever decides, problem. if Southgate ever decides he wants to move into like, you know, just football administration and Pep says, do you know what, um, Oh my God, are you kidding me? Pep Guardiola. This is the England After, manager. let's see, four, four more years of Southgate, and Southgate decides, do you know what, I want to go, and he becomes like president of the FA for life because everyone loves Southgate because he's done this amazing job. And then Pep goes, do you know what, I'm done with club management. And throws his hat in the ring. I mean, that. Oh my God. That is a conversation that needs to happen. It's interesting that you said Pep, actually, because I was going to say that um, if it wasn't for the fact that 
Jacob Ramsey is absolutely 100% going to end up at Manchester City. (laughs) (laughs) He gives you everything that you kind of need in a modern midfielder. His range is unbelievable, like in terms of the range of his skill set. You know, he's not really like a, a two out of 10 on anything. Isn't it wild how we, do you know how in England we didn't have, we didn't have players that had this range of skill set until maybe like four or five years ago, we were looking for like, we, we had players that were specialists that could do one thing very well or a couple of things. And now we've got like, Ryan, now we've got like four or five of them who are doing multiple things to extremely high level. I think, you know, the, obviously Bellingham is the kind of, is the elite in this regard, but the chasing pack is extremely Dude, impressive. A mid, center so midfield exciting. three of Ramsey, Bellingham and Phillips. Oh, no, sorry. Ramsey, Bellingham and Rice. Poor Calvin Ramsey, Phillips Bellingham is going to have to Rice. sit because... He will, he will. And that's no disrespect to him. It's just because those three are, that is something else. Because you know if Pep, you know if Pep um, goes in at England, he's only using one DM. You oh, know yeah, he yeah. is. He's taking yeah. the handbrake off. He's only going to play one DM and it's going to be Trent Alexander-Arnold. Yes. <laughs> anyway, we just uh, answered a question from a Villa fan about Jacob Ramsey and we, he's ended up at Man City. I'm so sorry, Villa fans. Like, I'm so sorry. Not again, just like, not Can again. I say that? But no, 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 no. I mean, I'm, I'm, but yeah. I really hope that he stays at Villa for a little while because, well, actually, to be honest, in an ideal world, he, you'd love to see him at Villa. Well, you wouldn't, you'd love to see him not have to leave Villa. Like the kind yes. of, the, the trajectory yes. that they're on at the moment, Steven Gerrard being coached there, yeah, it's early days still. He hasn't even been there for a full season. But the early, si- the early signs and the players mm. that they've already been able to attract, they're looking really good. You're right. But the Gerrard appointment's interesting because the thing about this, the thing I like to say about Gerrard is, you know, like he, st- he stayed at Rangers maybe a bit longer than a few people thought he would. He was there for almost 200 matches, right? Mm. I think a lot of people thought he might jump ship quicker. Rather like Wayne Rooney, I'll draw a parallel there. He's someone who wants to see a job done before he moves on. And he wants to get a job done at Villa. I don't think he's going to be someone that's there for like a couple of years and bounce like we've seen other managers do. I think he wants to really achieve something and restore something to that region. Now, if he follows through on that, which I think he really will and wants to, then, and I, I mentioned this because if you look at the fact that he used Carney Chukwemeka, people are talking about him moving. He is not a, at this point, a results first manager. He cares about results. Mm. And if he just cared about results, he wouldn't use some of the players he's used. He, mm. he just wouldn't. He wouldn't have. He's taken risks already. And what's exciting for Villa is this man wants to build something. Yeah. Like, I was thinking seasons, about this, yeah. you know, because you know Klopp said that he might not, he might just leave when his contract's done at Liverpool. Hmm. So everyone's like, oh, Steven Gerrard's going to go in. Steven Gerrard's going to go in. Like, I don't think Steven Gerrard's going to take that Liverpool job yet. And I might be completely wrong here, but you know mm. how like Lamp- Lampard went for the Chelsea job as soon as he could? Yes. I get this impression based on nothing, by the way. It's just purely like a hunch. I get the impression that Steven Gerrard sees the Liverpool job as like the culmination of a career. There may be, even be another club in between Villa and Liverpool. I see that in Rooney as well. Too. I see that in Rooney as well. Too, yeah, yeah, for sure. You look at Rangers, right? What were Rangers? A great club that was struggling and he restored them. Mm. He restored them to their, their level. Villa are a great club. They're a huge club and they've been struggling for a while and they should be restored. And that, that's they're what they are. They're level. Yeah, yeah, they're a giant. So this is the thing. It's not, Rangers to Villa isn't like a, look, it's never a degrading thing, but it's, it's, not a, it's never degrading to move to another club. You know, you're, an, you're a manager, you need to work. And you don't always have your pick of jobs, but 
I loved the fact that he chose the villa job. When I saw him do that, I thought, that's a serious, that's a serious manager. That's someone who backs themselves. Yeah. And that's someone who backs themselves to develop talent, to get the best out of players. And if you hear the players talk, you know, because players can say a lot of things, right? But excitement is like, um, sound, sound, excitement and euphoria, they're like grief. You can't fake them. You can't mm. fake euphoria. And the, the euphoria you hear from players when they talk about working with him and how he's developed them already, you can't fake that. No, man. Good times at Villa, man. Very good times and great fun I think to if watch. They, if, they, if they get like a centre-back in, like a real upgrade at centre-back, I think they are a problem. Right. A real problem. I completely agree. That's a really exciting opportunity for anyone, I think. Mm, I agree. So let's talk about Newcastle quickly. Yes, yes. Beat Franks Everton in a six-pointer. Kieran Trippier with his first Newcastle goal. That is a hell of a free kick. It was lovely. They were good value yeah, for it, I think. They were. This happened a couple of nights ago, so we're not going to spend as much time on it, but um, mm. it's really dragged Everton into it. And I, I think I said uh, I expected three of that bottom four to go down. I think it's three of the bottom five now. I would agree. Everton are in it, man. They are. They are. The bottom three, Norwich, Watford, Burnley, I look at them and think that they are the ones that I still think the bottom three have the least. But that gap is smaller than I thought it was a couple of weeks ago, I have to say. Yeah. Norwich quite spirited against Palace, actually. Um, obviously, Good game, this. <laughs> it was horrendous penalty missed by Zaha. I yeah, his he, foot um, did slip, though. And scuffed, I think that, scuffed, yeah, yeah, exactly. Like his, standing foot, his standing his... foot slipped, and I think that it's, I think he could have the still done better with it. But, uh, it was the surface think, an issue? Well, yeah, it would have been, yeah. I mean, I don't think it would have been uh, an issue elsewhere, but sometimes, like... But it is a technique thing. Like, you know... If you actually look at the slow-mo, I don't think anyone pulled this out, but like he takes a big leap and that's always dangerous on penalties because when you mm. put that much force on wet turf, part of it sits up. You tend to take penalties in a slightly different way to when you would shoot in, in like normal circumstances. Like it's a slightly different technique. Obviously mm. it's dead ball, so it's going to be a different technique. But if you look at the way that he plants his standing foot for his goal, which was unbelievable. One of the goals of the season, actually. Yeah. You see the way that he plants his foot for the penalty is completely different. Mm. Taking less of a final leap and trying to reduce the amount of force that you plant your left foot with if you're right-footed on a penalty, I mm. think is, is the way. Yeah. Right. This is the way. This is the way. Well, Norwich, um, Norwich are showing signs of life against Palace. Good point for them. So you're right, Everton now down in the mix. Mm. And they need to sort out that midfield configuration. They do. Um, so the only thing about this game, I thought, I thought John Joe Shelby was extremely lucky not to be sent off. That tackle that he made on, I think it was an Anthony Gordon on the left-hand side. Like he flew in from behind off the ground and kind of like did that, you know, like the wraparound. I thought he was a lucky boy, personally. But um, Newcastle hitting some form, man. I think they'll be out of trouble, to be honest. You think? Yeah, I think they're being coached too well. Seems to be a bit of momentum, huh? But listen, but we said this, I said this before with Newcastle. Sorry, I've said this before. Even with the players, even before the upgrades they got, I had said that I didn't think those players were being coached to the full extent of their potential. Like, Joe Linton, like, was a player who I looked at and thought, that player's got a lot more in him than we're seeing. Mm. And we're seeing it now. So, yeah, I think they're going to be fine. I, I thought they were going to be fine before, to be honest. Mm. Good point for Burnley against Manchester United. It was, yeah. United really, their own worst enemies there. West Ham beating Watford 1-0. Uh, Kurt Zuma started. He shouldn't have started. It was a really bad decision from David Moyes. That We haven't really talked about that stuff, but this week, man, this is what I, I kind of alluded to at the start of the show. It kind of feels like every single day 
there's something like really fucking shitty that's coming out about, around football. You had the grimness of the Overmars thing this week. Mm. Then you had the Kurt Zuma thing. Mm. Like David Moyes is really fucked up here, I think. Mm. I agree. Take him out for that game. It just, it... To be honest, just, I think it's his just position, the right thing to do. I think his position has become untenable. Zuma. Yeah, the, the moments I think I, I think I wrote to you and I just said, this is awful and he is toast. I don't know. I think it's very, very difficult to resume or continue a level because the level of scrutiny now on him within this country, well, within the UK, having done that, that's just a thing that everyone will look to and refer to. That's, that's a defining thing. It's not, it's not like he has... He doesn't have much goodwill in the bank. That's the thing. He doesn't really like, and I don't know how you can come back from thinking like that anyway. That is such a, I just saw it and thought, and people, I actually got asked like, are you going to comment on this? And I just thought, well, I think it's kind of self-explanatory. You see that video and you think, well, unambiguous, indefensible, it's utterly grim. Um, just why, what, what even, there's not discourse about us. We can't have discourse about this. This is just, it is what it is. Like there's no, I was this close to ditching Twitter this week. Really? That's interesting. Yeah, it's a lot. So obviously that the Zuma situation, and then you have um, obviously Overmars at Ajax, which has been discussed at great length um, elsewhere. Melissa already made a really good point. Um, Eric Ten Hag's statement, he came out and was just like, this is disastrous. And I just feel, first of all, for the women involved who Overmars, you know, you, you're a woman working at Ajax. That's a dream job, right? You're working at mm. Ajax, it's a dream job, and then you've got a sporting director sending you these messages over an extended period of time. Multiple women. You know, my goodness, multiple, so, you know, you're in a workplace, your dream job, and you could be forced, I, I just hope that, to be honest, I hope, I hope they're still there and I hope they're looking, I hope there's some employment they can look forward to within that institution if it hasn't soured it for them because it's an institutional failure, really, that he was allowed to do this for so long. And they've worked fucking hard to get that opportunity. Right. And the behaviour of this guy shouldn't stop them from having the opportunity. The onus now is on Ajax and all of the administration right. there to create a culture Conditions. where these yeah, people feel yeah. safe and that they can be assured that it will never, ever, ever happen again. Ever. Right, right. Because that club excelled when he was a sporting director. And why? Because the infrastructure was incredible. Monchi does an amazing job at Sevilla because Sevilla is set up to help Monchi flourish as a sporting director. Mm-hmm. You know, one... One sporting director is not an island. So they've obviously contributed their architecture. They should be allowed to stay there mm. um, and enjoy the fruits of what they've built. Yep. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, just finally on the Premier League, quick shout for Manchester City who beat Brentford 2-0. Um, Brentford in a bit of trouble. Uh, they are, but I think they'll be fine. Yeah. I mean, six defeat, not because, look, I... This was to be expected, I think. The intensity of the style of their play, they were going to have a bit of a wobble. Mm. And to be in, them, in mitigation, they've lost to some teams. Well, they haven't, they haven't lost to teams that are doing clownish things, put it that way. You no. know, you've lost to Liverpool, City, United were on a bit of a surge at the time. So yeah, I mean, nothing they can't fix. Um, let's do a very, very quick shout to the Coppa Italia because um, Alexis oh, yes. Sanchez won the goal uh, against Roma. Uh, Mourinho was in full don't give me the Prosecco mode before the game where he came out and he was kissing you know sending kisses to all of the San Siro all the San Siro he was like <laughs> it should oh, be like theater. a how it started how is it going thing where it's like Mourinho planting kisses to everyone and then later him just being like Meh. <laughs> <laughs> um, Jacko got a lovely opener didn't celebrate and then yeah Sanchez is 
second with uh, Sanchez's goal for Inter was amazing. Barella hit the bar, I think like three or four minutes after the opener. Um, and Sanchez's was like a, basically like a carbon copy of that, but it just went in. Yeah. Barella's got a great strike on him actually. Um, yeah. it was a bit, I was, a, I was a bit sad when um, Stefano Sensi left. Yeah, me too. Uh, because I really like, I really liked him. But then I looked at his actual stats. He doesn't, didn't score that many. It just seemed that he was always having shots from distance, tipped over the bar or saved. Yeah. But Barella was, you know, Barella is obviously like an elite talent. Um, and then Olivier Giroud continued his quite wonderful weak. form. What a, what a week for Olivier. Milan really took Lazio apart. 3-0 at the half. Yeah, they really did. Uh, Rafael Leao running right. And Brian Diaz, shout out to him. Look, this is, I think I said this before, but there's a thing where a young player who's hotly tipped, and Brian Diaz was at City, he's hotly tipped and makes a move and it doesn't work out. He went to Madrid and they're like, okay, then he goes to Milan and it has to work here. If it doesn't work in Milan, this is like a last chance saloon because- It's kind of like Renato Sanchez syndrome, isn't it? Bingo, exactly that. And to his credit, Bram Diaz is just excelling. Having a lovely time. Absolutely, just so happy there. Yeah, man. He's basically, he's having as much fun at Milan as Coutinho is having at Villa. You can see it because he's doing all that joyful stuff in central areas. When a player's not having fun as a 10, it's like going out to the flanks and drifting. And you saw when Coutinho was there at, um, partly because of the space that other teams, players are occupying, but Coutinho always pulling out to the left and curling in and now running right down the guts of the central defence. And that's what Bram Diaz is doing. Great win for Milan against Lazio. It was 4-0 it finished up. Kessier with the final goal. He's back from AFCON duty. And they're into the semis against, yeah. Inter, against Inter. First leg of the Copa del Rey. Betis beating Rio 2-1. Oh, I caught up with that. That was a hell of a game. Check out the Betis goals, by the way, because they're both incredible. Yeah, they're lovely. For different reasons. Just check them out. They're unreal. Yeah, you're in for a treat. The footwork is unreal. We haven't even talked about the World, World Club Cup. Chelsea through to the final. Um, I have to admit, I didn't watch the Chelsea game. Um, Lukaku with the only goal of the game. And they're through to the final against Palmeiras. Someone asked us, oh, was that an angry goal by Lukaku? And I, I felt like saying, I'd be very surprised if Lukaku ever scores another goal that is not angry <laughs> at this point. I've met also, you know, you don't need our permission. If you think it's angry, it's angry. Yeah, you can feel it. Yeah, yeah. As William Blake once said, angry goals are in the eye of the beholder. <laughs> Something like that. Anyway. Let's do a couple of questions before we wrap. We said we'd do a mailbag today. We've kind of staggered some questions through. So let's do a couple of quick ones before we wrap. Let's do it. Very quick, before we get into mailbag. Yeah. Barcelona beat Real Sociedad. Yeah. 9-1 the Feminina the Feminina and they're Sociedad is second I know they're second yeah people don't really like this is just how good Barcelona are like you can look at that league and be like uh, no 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 no." like these teams aren't clowns this Barcelona team is doing something that we just just haven't seen it was like that time time. when what when I said like Atleti were struggling in the league and then they did their job on Chelsea right actually quickly as well Nice beat Marseille in the Coupe de France, 4-1. Nice is a vibe though, as a team. But Nice, Marseille you know what, as well. That's this a, could, that's be, really, this could be really symbolic because of Nice's defeat at the weekend. Marseille are above them in the league now. Mm. But it's only a point, I think. And that's one to watch out for when they play again in the league. It's such a spicy fixture. Yeah. All right, let's have this one. Baby boy Bond. Favourite team to watch this season. Asking after watching the best game with two of the best goals all year. As Musa mentioned. Started following this season because of the Bellerin transfer and they are just dot, 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 cool. Betis, yeah, as the Spanish football podcast says, always watch Betis. 
I mean, Betis are great, great fun to watch. My favourite this, this year has been Napoli, I would say. I've just really enjoyed them. Um, there's always a great story uh, in that team. There's always a player that steps forward and does something really exciting. Um, yeah, that's my Betis. They're not too far behind, actually. Yeah, always watch Betis. Um, I've had quite a lot of fun watching um, Cologne this season, actually. Just because Stefan Baumgart prowling the touchline in a in a fly <laughs> cap is just never not entertaining. Right. Um, but also they're doing they're doing all right, man. Like they you know they're playing RB Leipzig this weekend. You know it's in February and and they're above them in the league. Stefan Baumgart's doing a great job. I think in Serie A, I really enjoyed watching Fiorentina and yeah, Napoli. I'd say as well. Hmm. I'm trying to think. I think in the Premier League, I've really enjoyed watching Southampton. Anyway, they've been trouble. Like there's been, I, th- I think to be honest in the Premier League though, I think a lot of the teams that we've mentioned already today, there's some of the sides that I've enjoyed watching. I think Villa are the, t- Villa are the team that I find myself like lingering on quite mm. a lot this year in the way that Leeds were last year. There were just some teams where they're there and you're like, you know what, I'll just check them out because that's going to be, that's guaranteed to be a fun game. So I'd say that they kind of, if there was like a fun league that we put together, like this with the Stadio fun league each year, they'd be in it. And it wouldn't be yeah, like a league that we'd rank, but it would just be like, yeah. These are just fun teams to check out. In the women's game, Barcelona have been just, yeah, just incredible. Um, Hoffenheim as well. Hoffenheim, I've got to say, Hoffenheim in, in the Frauen Bundesliga have been good as well. Um, Frauen Bundesliga is quite interesting because Turbina have pulled off the occasional big result this season as well. Yeah, and you obviously have Bayern and Wolfsburg fighting it out at the top, and then obviously in the Super League, Arsenal and Chelsea have been doing really well. Yeah, there's a lot of teams. A lot of teams have enjoyed watching this season. Oh, we also had this question from uh, Coco Shanti. It's kind of related, actually, because she says, maybe it's because of their game against Spurs, or maybe I'm late to the party, but Southampton are kind of a fun team. Given their new investment and the decent manager they have, what else do you think they need to be more competitive? I think they could do with like a lights-out finisher. If they could get oh, like yeah. an XG oh. monster. See, Dennis Undav, I mentioned before that a couple yeah. of podcasts ago, been signed by Brighton from Belgium for next season. It's that kind of profile player. Mm. Um you're right. The dead eye finish is the key because that just knits everything together. Mm. I think. I think we'll maybe a little bit more guile in midfield as well could could be handy. And I, I think. I think one key piece in in like down the spine of the team, which sounds like mm. okay, you're asking for a lot there. I'm not talking about like fifty million pound players, but with the new ownership, their focus is really on data and analytics and stuff. Like that. They'll be able to highlight bargains. Yeah, yeah. And the, I, I wouldn't be surprised if you saw a few come in in the summer the really kickstart, like turbocharge that same side. I'm really excited about Southampton now. Yeah, yeah. A uh, quick one from Neef, talking Southampton fans. Anifiok Ekpudum. Great writer. Award-winning writer. Yes, award-winning writer. Multiple award-winning writer. Yes. Uh, <laughs> the Don himself. What do you think of the chances of African teams in next year's, uh, well, this year's World Cup? Could we see a first ever semi-final or final? It's going to be tricky, you know. I think, you know what, I don't, I think it's going to be tough then because looking at the arcs of these, the arcs of the teams of the World Cup, right? Mm. The level, I'm just looking at teams like Argentina, for example. Mm. There are teams that are going for the, like, it's Messi's last dance, right? That's one mm. variable. You've got, um, you know, Brazil are interesting because Brazil really, really enjoy playing away away from home like out mm. of context Brazil love it um, there's a lot of teams that are really that have got momentum where you're seeing these teams are dangerous and I look at 
I look at AFCON, what came out of that tournament, who came out of that tournament. Senegal, certainly, I would say are just the best bet because I see a developed squad there. They're a good shout, actually, Senegal, to do something quite interesting. In terms of the other teams, too many of the big countries, Ryan, are in a state of transition. And then also yeah, you've got Morocco, who've lost, Morocco have lost Ziyech, which is an enormous, a colossal loss. Like, mm. What could Morocco have done with Ziyech? Because the, the, the tournament that Hakimi put in was unbelievable. So the problem is, I think there's just too much transition for the traditional mm. giants coming out, of, coming out of Africa at the moment. Yeah, I agree. That makes sense. I agree. Maybe the one after I think is going to be interesting though. I think the calf should get another spot anyway, at least one more this spot. This is what I was going to say. This is the weird thing actually, Neef. Like you've got African teams that would be in the group stages quite compelling mm. and into the second round, but the final, beyond the second round, the quarters, I think they drop off actually mm. um, just because of the stages they're at and their development. Let's do one more question. Jay, Jay Bellis, or I think that's how you pronounce it. Sorry, Jay, if not... If games are films, who has won best picture of 2022 so far? Oh my goodness, Barca Atleti. It's a tragic comedy. <laughs> Listen, I, I'm, that's, my, that's, that's the winner for me. That is the Oscar, that is the football no, It Oscar. was fun. It did, give me, it did give you everything you want. I thought, we don't I have thought a in terms of an actual... We don't have a study for best game, do we? No, we'll do it this year. But we'll forget. There's too many games. The amount of games we watch, like picking one, like, that's listen... True. People at the academy think they have a job going through all those films. <laughs> I'll swap. I'll swap any day. <laughs> Listen, unless you've watched like Karlsruhe Sandhausen on a Tuesday, Wednesday night, those step to me. Listen, all I'm saying, the reason I say basketball is because the Chavi, the Chavi brothers were almost both sent off. The Hernandez <laughs> brothers, thank you. The Hernandez brothers. They were almost, Chavi and his brother, we finished the game. Chavi was sent off and his brother was on a yellow. No, was Chavi sent off? Chavi was, sorry, sorry, no. His brother, no, his Chavi's brother, brother was sent, was sent off, off and, Chavi, yeah. and Chavi was on a yellow. Like, that gave me all my vitamins. When you um, have two brothers. I, do you know what? I actually can't. I think, yeah, Barcelona. Yeah, fuck it. Barcelona, right, Letty. Why not? There you go. Best picture. Let's get out of here. Let's do it. Yeah, we hope everyone's staying safe and well. Getting vaccinated if you can. Obviously, getting that boost if you can. Thanks to everyone who sent questions in. Don't forget to shut right his house if you haven't listened to it already. Don't forget, Stadio newsletter is going out this week. So if you haven't signed up, stadio.football, scroll to the bottom, pop your email address in. And uh, Stadio Actors Place on Spotify. Speaking of which, lost a couple of greats this week. The great Brady Davis passed away. We don't have any of her stuff cleared, but also Syl Johnson, who we played out on a couple of weeks ago, passed away this week. So we thought we'd play out on one of his. And seems fitting in a week of so much grimness. Mm. Uh, we're playing out on Everybody Needs Love. Anything you want to add, Moose Hot Nothing further. Have a lovely weekend, everyone. We'll be back on Monday. See you then. When you hear what I've got to say I'm sure you won't be able to turn your head away Cause what I'm gonna talk about